This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. On Mondays, we are having Rav Benjamin Tavori, who is giving a series this year on Mo'adei Hashanah, Shiurim, about the different holidays and festivals. As we prepare for Yom Kippur, it would seem that we should really study the Machzor of Yom Kippur, and in it we'll find certain themes of the essence of Yom Kippur. The Rav used to say that we should learn Machzor the same way we learn, or Siddur, the same way we will learn a Blat Gemer. On one hand, the general kavanah of tefillah is important. In the yeshiva, in the yeshiva Tzion, one Friday night before Yom Kippur, one of the ramim, Rav Amnon Bazak, issued a challenge, as it were. He quoted one of the very famous lines that we say on tefillah Yom Kippur at the beginning of Musaf. We say a very short piyut of Rebbe Lezer Akalir. And we all say it with a specific type of nigun and with a lot of kavana. The phrase I'm referring to is Nechashev Kitzag Bi'iton Duchot Befiluli Akalaton Venagdishcha Bishabbat Shabbaton Kadosh. Rav Amnon asked the entire yeshiva, which com- is comprised mostly of Israelis and a group of chutznikim. What does those words mean? What does it mean, nechashev? Oh, we are to be considered. Kitzag b'iton. Now, what does the word iton mean? People who really had no clue somehow began to think about a newspaper. But of course, iton in the machzer is written with an aleph. And he issued a challenge. Who could possibly tell him what, what it means? What the words mean? One of the people said to Amnon, what it really means is that Baruch Hu, we're poor, we're downtrodden, we're in trouble, we need Rafur Shlema. All the needs of the people, all their bakashot of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, are said in one way or another in the tefillah. So we don't understand those particular words. But we certainly have kavana when we say them. And of course it reminds us of all the Hasidish stories about the boys, the people who didn't know how to daven, and would whistle or would say the Aleph Beis, and we know those tefillot are also accepted. But yet, it is important for us to try to understand the tefillot of Yom Kippur, and specifically to understand the implications and meanings of those tefillot. I'd like to give one example of one sentence, which is, in a sense, repeated in Ne'ilav Yom Kippurim, and try to show the different explanations of the, the phrase. Now, there is a difference between translation and explanation. Translations may vary slightly, but there really shouldn't be that much difference in the actual translations. 
Whereas in explanations, I'd like to show you that there are major, major changes, major differences, and understanding in a certain sense what Yom Kippur is all about. In the Eel of Yom Kippur, in Chazar Sashatz, we add a specific part. gives a hand to the sinners. Your hand is extended, your right hand is extended to receive people who do tshuva. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has taught us, you have taught us to say vidui, to re- recite the confession, all our sins. And the words I want to really relate to are the next four words. In order that we should stop, it seems to be from simple stealing. And that phrase is repeated, perhaps in a more significant sense, a few sentences later, where the Maxer says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you gave us with love. As Yom Sama Kippur Mazah, this fast day of Yom Kippur, the day, end of the, Kates is a difficult word to translate, but the Mechila Slicha means forgiveness. In order that we should stop from stealing? And we should do tshuva? Is it really possible to say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu you gave us with love this great day of Yom Kippur, this day of Mechila and Slicha, in order that we should stop stealing? That's what Yom Kippur is all about? It's interesting to see how different people have explained it. In the Otzer Atfilos, the classic Perish and Siddur, one of the commentaries says on the phrase that you gave us the day of Yom Kippur, Leman Nechta that we shouldn't translate it at all, Leman in order, but rather we should translate it Im Nechtal. You gave us the day of Yom Kippur, which is a day of Mechilan Slicha, if we stop doing Averos. Now, the reason he explained it as such is obviously because he didn't want to say that the entire purpose of Yom Kippur is to stop doing Gezela. But as far as the first phrase, where it said that you gave us the day of Yom Kippur, you taught us to there he said a different perush. means that if a person knows that he has stolen, now is the time to do tshuva and to accept upon yourself seriously that right after Yom Kippur, you'll fix it and return whatever you stole to whoever it is and appease him. And the Perush, the Eitz Yosef, the Perush in Otsar Atvilas, emphasizes, look how serious this sin is. 
that the Anshay Knesset Agdola put in in Ni'ila, this Avera of stealing, almost as opposed to all the entire Torah together. And he quotes the famous Ma'amar Chazal, the statement of Chazal, that the Dor HaMabul was given such a strict verdict because of Gzela. And he really says that simply it means Gzela and the Vidui should only be with Gzela, with returning the Gzela. In fact, the perhaps a Lundisha type of approach would be found in other Svayim. And I'm referring specifically to a Peirush and written by Reb David Kohn, a Rav in Flatbush, in his various volumes of Masat Kapai, which is Ha'arot, comments on Tefillah, in three different volumes at least, he refers to this rather difficult passage and tries to explain what does it mean. One In one instant, I think, as a sign somehow of Lundus, he says, this might be based on Rabbeinu Yonah, on a certain sub-comment made by Rabbeinu Yonah and Shari Tshuva, that if a person stole, you must return the gzela before you do vidui. The vidui won't help without returning the gzela. So, he explained the first phrase, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you taught, you taught us to say vidui in order to return the gzela. In other words, the vidui must be a subsequent action to the gzela. And in one of the other volumes, he has a holamdis, if you can't return the gzela, could it be possible that just by removing the gzela from your own possession, you can somehow then say vidui, even though you really haven't returned the gzela to the proper owner. In fact, the Chachmei HaMusar might go even further than this. The Chachmei HaMusar would say, well, let us remember that in the world of Musar there are various schools of Musar. I'm referring specifically now to the school that's known as Nevardik. Nevardik was known for the concept of Shiflus Adam to perhaps in a certain sense debase the person, make him feel himself worthless in order for him somehow to attain a higher level of spirituality. Of course, this was a major topic of debate. Is this the proper way of, uh, a proper approach of Musar? But let's for a moment dwell on the Vardak. Those that follow the opinion of the Vardak, I don't remember exactly the source where I saw it, but I did see it once in a Sefer Musar, explained that yes, it's true. This is the point of Yom Kippur. Man is so low 
man is such a weak person that you think that Yom Kippur would elevate you to the highest, highest levels possible. But no. That is what human being is. Yom Kippur is given to him simply that we should stop to be Gazlanim. This is how low we've fallen, that our goal in Yom Kippur is to stop being a Gazlan. Rav Kook, in his poetic style, in his Perush, or Ne'ilah, would say the idea, but perhaps turn it on its head. Rav Kook says, you can't possibly imagine the pain of losing the desire for the holy, for the good. And what causes that loss of will? Sins. In order to really reach higher levels, first, we must make sure those sins don't exist. We should eradicate all our sins. But eradicating our sins is not a means in itself. It's not an end in itself. It's a means in order to reach the Chachma Hara'ui, to make sure that nothing interferes with us to reach those higher levels to which we could aspire and to which we could, which we should attain. And then Rav Kook points out, especially, especially Gezela, which somehow holds back the will to do good, and therefore we should strengthen ourselves in order to reach Shuas Hashem in order to reach that Chachmah el So, it's a means, perhaps, to reach a higher, higher level. I'd like to explain one final explanation, which I know that I heard parts of from Rav Salavechik, but I'm really not sure exactly which parts I heard from him, and which parts perhaps I added in a sort of a drush concept. The In the Machzar that was printed with Rav Salavesh's comments, it's interesting that I found no comment at all on this phrase. But, based on another lecture that the Rav gave, I'd like to suggest an interpretation. In a book published by the Jewish Agency, by the name of Yemei Zikaron, which is, consists of essays of Rav Salavechik, there is an essay called Shlichus. In it, the Rav explained his idea that every man is given a certain task to fulfill in this world by HaKadosh Baruch he interpreted the phrase "the Sefer Toldot Adam," the book of the history of mankind. The phrase, of course, which is found in Parshas Parshas, to mean 
that there is a book which the Midrash alludes to as Heralo, HaGadosh Baruch Hu showed Adam Arishon as it were Dardar V'Sofrav, Dardar V'Darshav, Dardar V'Manigav He showed him a book of every generation and its leaders its various people of that generation Rav Salvechik said that in that book HaKadosh Baruch Hu inscribed each generation and each person and allotted each person a specific tafkid, a specific responsibility to fulfill in this world. When a person is born, the Gemara that is quoted in the beginning of the Tanya comes into play. The Gemara says, the very moment that a child is born, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as it were, imposes upon him a shvua to be a tzaddik. The Rav interpreted that to mean that at that particular moment, HaKadosh Baruch Hu assigns a person a tafkid to do, a certain responsibility to fulfill in this world. When we say and especially the night of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we say with such kavana, Mi alev Hashem, umi yakumim Who is the one who can rise, go up to the mountain of Hakadosh Baruch Hu? And we answer, among other things, Asher lo nasel Hashav nafshi mirma, a person who did not swear falsely. Now, at first glance, this seems very strange. It is rather unusual today for a person to swear falsely. Shavuos are hardly taken anymore. The Gemara says people were afraid of Shavuos and most people, even if they make some sort of an innocent comment that they're going to go somewhere, do something, say, they don't mean to take a Shavuos. How many people actually take a Shavuos? And is that the necessary prerequisite to a person So the Rav explained that that is referring to that mystical shvua of creation, of each person's creation. When a person was created, he was given that shvua. When that day, each person swore to fulfill the responsibility that was given to him on that day. And the Rav added that on one hand, in order to fulfill that Shavua, HaKadosh Baruch Hu must give the person the necessary prerequisites that he could fulfill the Shavua. It would be grossly unfair and unjust if a certain responsibility would be given to a person, but he doesn't have the capability of fulfilling it. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to give him every prerequisite necessary for fulfilling this tafkin. In a little sefer by Rav Bar Shaul, he pointed out
an interesting comparison between Moshe and B'tzalel. Moshe somehow didn't understand the complexities of the Mishkan and the Menorah. And it says in the Medrash that Hashem had to show him a visual aid in order for him to comprehend somehow the building, the establishment of the Mishkan and the Menorah. But Rabbi Shaul pointed out B'tzalel certainly understood it. B'tzalel didn't seem to need any visual aids. Now, we know that Moshe Rabbeinu, no saying not Torah, it was certainly his intellect could not be questioned. How could it be that B'tzalel understood something that Moshe Rabbeinu seemingly didn't understand? Rabbi Shaul said, you see, it was Moshe's job to transmit information. It was B'tzalel's responsibility to build the Mishkan. If that's his responsibility, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to give him all the prerequisites necessary in order to build the Mishkan. So B'tzalel had some sort of chachma, bina perhaps, that he understood, intuited, exactly what the Mishkan and the menorah should be. HaKadosh Baruch Hu imposes a, a tafkid on somebody, he is given anything necessary to fulfill it. That's not just in terms of physical or spiritual characteristics. That's referring to time and place as well. Certain responsibilities, the shlichut as I call it, can be done only in certain times and certain places. Part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan is when he gives the person a shlichus, he puts him in the proper time, in the proper generation, where he can fulfill that shlichus. I once heard from Rav Soloveitchik, when, when I heard him say it, it actually sent a shiver down my spine. The Rav said he understood well his tafkid. It was to take the Torah of Europe, of Brisk, and bring it to a new continent, bring it to a new type of generation, build a world of Torah in that new world, create new concept of B'nai Torah. And the Rav felt that he was put in the time and place where he could fulfill that tafkid. But, he said, had he been born in the time of the Rishonim, he would not have been able to fulfill that tafkid. We, of course, thought that if the Rav had been born in a different generation, he would have been great in that generation as well. In his modesty, the Rav pointed out that his tafkid could only be done in the time and place in which he was created. And in a somewhat unusual line, Rav Salavechik quoted Rav Kook here. In the prayer that we say, Un Yom Kippur, at the end of Shemoneseh, a prayer found in the Gemara. According to some opinions, to be said every day. We only say it on Yom Kippur. Elokai atshelo notzarti enichdai. V'achshav shem notzarti ki'ilo notzarti. Again, the translation would be, God, until I was created, I'm worthless. But after I'm created, I feel 
also worthless. And Rav Kook explained, in the generations before I was born, I would have been worthless because I wouldn't have been able to fulfill my shlichus. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu delayed, as it were, this particular birth until the generation where a person has the possibility to fulfill a shlichus. Before I was created, I was not worthy of fulfilling any shlichus. But in Yom Kippur, a person says, even though I was created, but somehow I feel that I did not take full advantage of the opportunity to give to me, I didn't fulfill my shlichus, even partially. I feel that I have not given what I should give. I feel as if I were born in a different generation where I couldn't have fulfilled my shlichus. So in a certain sense, Yom Kippur was given to us for a person to re-examine his life, to rethink what could his shlichus possibly be. One of the perhaps most perplexing results of such an analysis would be that each person should really try with great introspection, great understanding of his particular qualities of the time and place in which he exists to figure out what really is his shlichus. And Yom Kippur, a person should try to think to realize what his shlichus is. And thus we could say, a new concept completely. You gave us this day of Yom Kippur. I'm skipping a few words. Now the word Oshek in Chumash means to hold back from someone what you should give to him. doesn't mean to steal. It means to keep and not give what you should give. Perhaps we could say in the form of Drush, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the day of Yom Kippur in order for us to stop holding back, fulfilling Ashlichus, to try to understand what is the goal, what is our goal in life, what is our purpose in life, and to try to realize on Yom Kippur that we should try harder to fulfill that particular tafkid and understand who we are, what we are, and what Kaddish Baruch Hu expects from us. Now, I've said a variety of interpretations of the phrase Which one is really true? Which one is the pshat? Again, I'd like to refer to a comment that I heard from Rav Soloveitchik in a different context completely. The Rav pointed out that the word in Chumash, the name of the holiday on the 10th of Tishrei is Yom Kippurimu. It's true in the jargon of people, we call it Yom Kippur. But in the Torah, it's in the plural, Yom Kippurim. And the Rav explained 
that Yom Kippurim means the day that we try to attain Kapara from HaKadosh Baruch He said, if the name had been Yom Kapara, then it would be the day that HaKadosh Baruch gives us Kapara. But since the day's name is Yom Kippurim, it means the day that we try to attain Kapara from HaKadosh Baruch But why is it in plural? Why is Yom Kippur not enough? And the Rav explained that if it would say Yom Kippur, then I would think there's one approach, one monolithic, monochromatic approach, how to attain Kapara from HaKadosh Baruch But the Torah said in plural, there's more than one way. I remember the Rav describing and perhaps posing an image to our imagination. Can you imagine the base medrash of the Vilna Gaon on Yom Kippur? Could you contrast it with the base medrash of the Baal Shem Tov on Yom Kippur? In more modern times, in Ger, the night of Yom Kippur, they learn after davening, they learn Daf Yomi like any other night. I heard that in Sachachav, they have a custom of learning Chosh Mishpat. As it were, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is involved in Din. So in this world, we're involved in Din. But then think of the base medrash of a person like Shlomo Chabach on the night of Yom Kippur. What would his base medrash look like? Which one is authentic? Which one is true? The Baal Shem Tov? The Vilna Gaon? Ger? Any other one? Yom Kippurimu. There are different varieties of tshuva. There are different ways of attaining kapara. And it's basically an individual choice. Which perush should we adopt for our own understanding of tefillah when we say Leman Perhaps you could imagine a different perush than I've suggested today. But it could be that some of the perushim I mentioned today might strike a note in some people's heart and that would be the meaning. The main per- idea is to try really to understand the tefillot of Yom Kippur, to try really, not just to translate the words, but to understand the deeper meaning and themes of Yom Kippur. And we conclude with the tefillah, with the bracha, sheyichtaveinu v'yachtmeinu b'sefer chayim tovim.